Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, it's a new year. And you know what, you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. It's just a new page on the calendar. I found out a long time ago that January 1st is just like December 31st. The only difference is if you stay up late on December 31st, you might be a little more tired on January 1st. But other than that, nothing changes except the calendar. And I think the older I get, maybe this has something to do with it, but I've seen a lot of New Year's. And... Uh, that's how I've learned that they really don't amount to very much. And, you know, God's been around a long time. He's seen a lot of new years. But the truth is he abides in a, in a, in a, in a realm where there isn't any time. He recognizes the time that we're in, but he doesn't operate in the realm of time. Amen. God is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The scripture doesn't say he was the same yesterday and he was the same today being when the Bible was written in Hebrews. No, today in in God is new. Every, Every day is a new day. And he doesn't change. And so his faithfulness to us shouldn't surprise us in 2020. And and for most of us, it didn't surprise us because we were expecting him to be the same in 2020 as he always had been. We were expecting it We were believing it. We were saying it. But there was suggestions coming our way that it wouldn't be a good year. A lot of people were saying it wouldn't be a good year, but we chose to believe the Bible. And guess what? The Bible proved itself true. God proved himself true again. Amen. So he's the same. So, you know me, I've been, most of you have been around here for a little while. I've been pastoring now for over 40 years. And I've, I've always, uh, well, I'll put it this way. I'm, I'm, I'm rarely, or not rarely, but I'm seldom enticed to seasonal messages. Amen. And so I thought this morning, well, I'll just go back and pick up what I was preaching in October that I never finished on being led in the spirit. But the Lord had me dealt with me differently about that. But he still didn't give me a seasonal message. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because we're still in a season in our nation. Just because we've turned the page on a calendar, we're still in the season of the 2020 election. Amen. And... This thing has not been decided officially. And uh, I want us to look at Luke chapter 18, the 18th chapter of Luke's gospel. 
And let's start in the first verse. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, and that he said that the writer is saying that the parable that we're about to read was to this purpose, was making this point. And here was the parable. Jesus said there was a certain, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. There was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me for my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Now, this unjust judge in this parable does not represent God. This woman was not praying to God. He gave this parable to illustrate a point about prayer, but this wasn't prayer. This was a woman who had an adversary. This was a woman who felt that she had suffered an injustice. And she wanted this judge to solve her her problem and administer justice, give her justice. The problem was he was an unjust judge. You know, not all judges are just. Let that sink in for a minute. Not all judges are just. And that's not a surprise. And that's not a new uh, situation. It's existed before. And so he would not listen to her for a while. But finally he said, though I fear not God nor regard man, Yet because this widow widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, she weary me. You know, there's a case to be made by continually coming and wearying somebody. Amen. Then Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Again, this this. Judge doesn't represent God. He represents unjust men in authority. Unjust men in authority. So hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God? Hear what he said, but shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Well, I can answer that question. Yes, he will, because we'll still be here preaching faith when he comes back for us. Amen. And living by faith. Amen. But here, Jesus said, hear what the unjust judge said. The unjust judge said, I'm not, I don't regard this woman and I don't regard people. He's saying, I really don't care about anybody and what they think or how they feel. But because of the trouble this woman is causing me, he said, I'm going to avenge her to get her out of my hair, basically. Now, uh, 
When we talk about this past election, people say, well, pastor, you're getting political. Well, uh, in a sense, but in another sense, no, I'm not. People say, well, we shouldn't be involved in politics. Well, let me ask you, if you lived during the, uh, like 1860, 63, 65, during, that, during the Civil War, would you have just said, well, I, I'm just not taking a position, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm not gonna get involved in politics. What was going on with the, when the nation transcended politics? Now, it's probably a good thing for me that I was born when I was, not in 1880-something or 1800s, because I'm of the opinion now that the South was wrong. Now, that's, you can have whatever opinion you want, but I'm in the opinion of the opinion that the South was wrong and the South should not have attempted to secede from the Union. But the survival of the nation was, was what was at risk. And that transcends politics. Yeah, it, there's a political component to it, but it's, when you talk about being political, that's just in the ordinary uh, politics of the day. This bill, that bill, this law, that law, this policy, that policy. You know, you, you can have your opinions in politics and they don't really matter a whole lot. But there are times when our nation faces crisis that transcends a simple di- difference of opinion. People have said, well, I'm just reciting some of the, some of the uh, uh, opposition and some of the uh, things that people say. They say, well, you know, the church has existed in many cultures and many nations, many ungodly nations, and has survived and even flourished under repressive regimes. And that's true. United States, uh, our colonies were under a repressive regime, but we threw that off. Amen. Paul told the people of his day, if you're a slave, he said, as far as serving God, you don't have to be free to serve God. But then he went on to say, but if you have the opportunity to get free, you need to take it. And then he said, if you're free, don't become a slave of anybody. You understand? Well, the colonists here in America threw off the yoke of oppression. And God was in it. I, had, I expected more amens than that. I said God was in it. Now who were the, I asked this question back in, in 2009 in, uh, in something I wrote and I'm gonna ask it again now. In, in the American Revolution, who were the patriots? The praying men or the fighting men? Who were the greatest patriots? The answer is, they were one and the same. George Washington would not have delineated a difference between them. And indeed, often there was no difference because the praying men were also men that took up arms because there are some things worth fighting for. There's, there are some things worth shedding blood for. World War II. Our nation went to war 
to, to, to protect our allies in Europe and to stop the further spread, because it wouldn't have just stopped there, of Nazism and fascism and, and, and the imperialist uh, 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 aspirations of, of Japan, their allies, we went to war. God was in it. God blessed the American Revolution because they were fighting for what was right. We were fighting for what, we were, what was right. God blessed the United States of America in World War II because we were fighting for what was right. And if you look at history, if you study history, you can see there were miracles that took place in those conflicts, absolute acts of God was involved. So to say we shouldn't talk about politics is, is a, is a uh, in, in this situation, I think is, is a, uh, uh, what I want to say sounds too mean. I don't want to say it. What, what comes to mind is it's a cheap shot, but I don't want that to sound uh, offensive. It's, it's, it's a whitewash of the issue. Let me put it that way. Because we know what the conflict here is about this election. I, I doubt there's a person in this room. I doubt it. There's a person in this room. If we knew that Joe, Joe, now probably most of us did not vote for Joe Biden. We, probably most of us voted for Donald Trump. Doesn't mean everybody did, but probably most of us did. But I, I think I could say with certainty, there's not a person in this room. If we knew that Vice President Joe Biden won the election on November the 3rd, I doubt there's a person in this room wouldn't say, you know what, he won it fair and square, he's the president. I doubt there's a person in this room that wouldn't say that. But we don't believe that. Many of us don't. Now, you might, but many of us don't. Not only here, but 75 million Americans don't believe that Joe Biden won this election because there is so much evidence that Donald Trump, in fact, won the election and won it soundly. Now, I know that Senator Mitt Romney wrote an article over the weekend and he said these people in the Senate, these senators that are proposing to challenge uh, the electoral college vote on Wednesday, January the 6th, this week, that they are doing a great uh, disservice to the country, that it threatens democracy and, and so forth. It's just the opposite. He went on to say that the, that the courts have looked at this and not one court has ruled in the president's favor. Well, the problem is not one court has looked at the evidence. You, 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 go, you find them for me if you don't believe it. Look at, look, research it. The courts have refused to even take the case based on procedural issues. They've not gone so far as looking at the evidence because 
you get the, you get the impression that they think it's too great a bother, that it's going to be too big a mess. I'm telling you, the mess is here. Now, we've been praying for right and truth to prevail, but do you have the stomach for it? Do you have the stomach for it? Because this week, I know we started a new year and we, we, we kind of want to put last year behind us, but this isn't over. This week, there is going to be a huge drama played out in Congress, in the Supreme Court possibly, and in the streets of Washington, D.C. A huge drama tale. Some of you are going to Washington this week to be there, and I, and I applaud you. Normally, I would, I would be in, doing the same thing. I have to answer, Pastor Angela, and I have to travel on Thursday uh, to California and we can't afford to have travel problems and, you know, it's, you know, and not be able to get back for some reason and then miss my flight on Thursday. That's the only reason I'm not going. But there's going to be a huge drama played out this week. And we, we need to be ready for it. I, I, I wish I could get up here and tell you it's all over and, 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 uh, and, and we can just forget about everything. But, but that's just not true. It's just not true. I have to be honest with you. And I, and I want you to be ready for this week. Amen. Senator Romney went on to say that even the Justice Department has looked into this allegation of fraud and found uh, uh, not enough evidence or, or no evidence sufficient to overturn the election. I think that was William Barr's uh, answer. He's, and, I, and, and, if you, and if you look exactly what he said, he said, I have not seen sufficient evidence that would overturn this election. Well, the problem is he just didn't see the evidence. He didn't say it wasn't there. He said, I haven't seen it because they did not fully, they did not really do a legitimate investigation. The evidence is there. You have thousands of affidavits, not by political players. I've, I've very carefully gone and looked at as many videos as I could of individuals giving their testimony. And you can tell when you, when you, when you hear them, these are not professional uh, politicians or th- these are not activists. It's not like they've, you know, they've come and they've got their little story all you know, uh, managed and presented. And, and uh, they're just ordinary folk, just ordinary folk. And they're not sophisticated or necessarily educated or uneducated. They're from different walks of life. But you can tell, you can tell by listening to people that they're not somebody that, that worked this up. They're just a truck driver from such and such a place that said, here's, this is what happened. Or somebody that was a poll watcher. They said, you know, this is my job, but this is what happened. And the, and the thing about it is you have the same story in state after state after state from people who don't know each other. The, the evidence of uh, fraud in this election is huge. Now, I might be wrong. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I might be wrong, but what I've seen is, is pretty doggone convincing. Senator Ted Cruz has floated an idea this weekend that we take a 10-day period and launch a, a commissioned investigation 
using uh, uh, people from Congress, people from the courts, people from the military, people from uh, the intelligence community to put a, a, a nonpartisan commission together to look at this for 10 days and get the evidence out and, and let's just see. And people don't want to do it. They're on the other side, they said, no, no, we don't need to look. We don't, you know, this, there's nothing here. There's no, there's no uh, fraud. Well, here's what we prayed. Early on, we prayed that the truth would come out. Now, I wish it had come out, and it has come out, but it's not been publicized. If, you're, if you watch what is known as the mainstream media or social media, which is completely censored now, if you watch the, fun, the most pr- predominant uh, uh, outlets of media in this nation, you're not getting the story. You have to, you have to search for, for media outlets that are actually telling the story of the fraud. It's just not out there. So the truth has been revealed, but, but the country as a whole hasn't heard it. They've heard about it, and then they've heard, well, it's not true, that it's baseless and there's no facts and, and all of this. So we've prayed that the truth would come out, but what we meant by that was that it would come out to everybody. Everybody would see it. And, you know, I wish that had already happened, but it hasn't happened sufficiently. And uh, this verse talks about an unjust judge who would not for a while. He withstood for a while. But because this pesky woman continued to come before him day and night, and call for relief and call for help and call for justice. She finally wore him down. And he said, even though I'm not a man of principle and I don't give a flip about her or anybody else, I'm just tired of hearing this. So I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna take care of it. Sometimes that's what's necessary. Senator Romney said the idea President Trump has called for all, you know, these people to show up in the streets of of D.C. He says that threatens to be, uh, 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 what did he say, disruptive. Well, amen. (laughs) Amen. It needs to be disruptive. Our politicians need need to hear from people that say we are not accepting this. Now, the idea that well, okay, there was fraud, and, but we need to move on because it's not worth the trouble and all of the social uh, upheaval and unrest is gonna cause not worth it. We just need to make sure it doesn't happen again. Those two things don't work together because once you allow it, it's been allowed. This has to be stopped. And, you know, I, I wish I could come to you with, with a different kind of message this morning, but, but, you know, sometimes we have to talk about things that are going on. And I have a responsibility. Just like the preachers in, in, during the colonists had a responsibility to tell people what was going on. Just like the preachers during, during the Civil War had a responsibility to tell people what was going on and give advice and give counsel from the Word of God. 
just like preachers and stood up in their pulpits in, in, in World War I and World War II and, and, and talked about what was going on and encouraged their congregation to support the right. What's right? We have to stand for what's right. I want to I read a quote that, that came across my Facebook this weekend that I thought was great. It's from Adrian Rob, Rogers. Anybody seen this post yet? Let me see, I've got it on my photo, photos here. I took a snapshot of it. Adrian Ro, Rogers, well-known preacher, said it is better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. It is better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than falsehood that comforts and then kills. I'm going to read that again. Let this soak in. He said, it is better to to be divided by, let me say this with the right emphasis. It is better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. It is better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than falsehood that comforts and then kills. What he's saying is you have to choose what's right. You have to choose the truth regardless of how much pain it causes. Amen. In 1 Corinthians, before, before we go over there, uh, Luke 18, 1 the purpose of this parable was that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. That was the, that was the whole purpose of this parable. He was telling us that, that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. When it looks like the answer's not coming, he said, don't lose heart. When it looks like people are not responding right, don't lose heart. And of course, we don't lose heart where God is concerned. <clears throat> Some other translations say, don't lose courage. Another one says, don't faint. The Amplified Bible says, don't turn cowardly. That's good. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to not turn cowardly. Not give up. One translation said, don't get tired. Don't get tired, church. Don't get tired. Now go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. In 1 Corinthians 13, it's, it's this passage is talking about love and it's describing love. It said love suffers, verse four says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. <clears throat> Love is not provoked, thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I like verse number six says, Love does not reduce, rejoice at iniquity. I think the Amplified Bible says, love does not rejoice when iniquity and, how does it say that? Anybody else got an Amplified? 
but rejoices when right and truth prevail. That's all. That's all Donald Trump voters want is right and truth. Listen, I've been on I've been on the down I've been on the wrong side of elections before. <laughs> I voted for people that that weren't that weren't elected. I voted for people and we didn't have enough votes. Didn't have them in the right states to get the right electoral votes. That's just the way it works. You have to accept that. But like I said, that's not what this is about. This is about what we voted for and who we voted for. And we have a right. There is nothing more sacrosanct or or sacred Can you think of anything more sacred in our American way of life than a free and fair election? Can you think of anything more foundational, more fundamental than that? There isn't. And in fact, without a free and fair election, we will not have the republic that we've had so far. It will disappear And, and this didn't just happen this time as an outlier. This didn't just happen, you know, this time and, there's, and we don't really know why it happened. This, there, the, the, the people who have orchestrated this have been working this very process in different states in local elections, state and local elections around the country for a long time now. And they've perfected it. In fact, in the state of Oregon, what I've read is that this has happened so many times so far in Oregon that they have perfected this to the point that that it's unlikely that a Republican can ever be elected to a state office again in Oregon because of this very thing, because of election fraud, the very things that we're talking about, switching votes and, 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 and all of the irregularities and all of the things that happened. They've done this in Oregon so long now, so many, so many years now, that they've, they, they've locked in one-party rule. And now they want to move this to the nation. We just can't, we just can't allow it. The church has to stand for the truth. I said the church has to stand for the truth. The truth is the truth. Why not give 10 days and not vote on January the 6th? From my understanding, January 6th date is not inscribed in the Constitution. Why not wait 10 days? Why not have a national investigation for everybody to see, everybody to see the evidence. Why not? The only people that don't want it are hiding something. I rejoice when right and truth prevail. And I oppose any situation where right and truth is hidden and denied. Go with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse number 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. I remember the days of darkness. 
I remember what it was like to be in vaguely just it's a long time ago, but I still remember what it somewhat well, like what it was like to be in darkness. And oh, what a what a day when light came to me, changed me, changed me completely. I was translated out of the realm of darkness and into the kingdom of the of the Son of God. Light came into my life. Well, now I am to walk as a child of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. In fact, this word here, where it says the fruit of the Spirit, the martyr in my Bible says the fruit of light. And I have a Greek scholar that I have his commentaries in my in my library, and, he's, and, he, and he confirms that, 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 one, that the more accurate reading is for the fruit of the light is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. There were some things done in secret and they're shameful. I said, they're shameful. Now, now the evidence hasn't been educated. Uh, uh, is that how you say it? It hasn't been, it hasn't been uh, adjudicated is what I meant to say. It hasn't been adjudicated. So it, it, needs to, it needs to be brought to the light of day and let's see what it is and if it's accurate and if, it's, if it can be proven or not. But you, you can't do that by just sweeping it under the rug and claiming that it doesn't exist. There were things done in secret that appeared to be terrible. Let's find out. But all things that are exposed, he said, he said we are to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, the things that are done by ungodly people in secret. He said we're to expose it. All things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Well, the Lord led me in line with this scripture several weeks ago. And, and I think I talked about it on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or some, some service or maybe a Monday night. As the church, we need to command, take our authority which we've done. I'm not asking you to do this again because we've done it. I believe when you do something, you just stand on what you've done. But I encourage the church we need to, that we need to take authority against the, the unfruitful works of darkness done in secret. And by taking our authority in Christ, demand that these things be exposed. And see, just having the evidence presented uh, and only heard by people who are inclined to believe it, that's, that's, that's not enough. It needs to be exposed so that everybody can see it and everybody that wants to can challenge it and say, well, now, wait a minute. I know that guy that wrote that affidavit and he's a clown. He's been an operative for years. It needs to be brought to the light, exposed. It's the only way we'll ever get to the bottom of this. 
And just, and just say, no, God, we're, we're, we're insisting that this be brought to the light. And we've done that. What I'm saying this morning is we, don't, we do not lose heart. We don't faint. We don't back off. Listen, this is going to be resolved one way or another. Either right and truth is going to prevail or it's not. I mean, those are the only two options. And if we lose this fight and the truth never comes out, we're still, as a church, we're still going to go on. Church is going to be fine. We're going to be, I'm going to be fine. You're going to be fine. We'll, we'll just have a different America we'll have to adjust to, but we'll, we'll still be fine. Or the truth can come out for everybody to see and then let everybody decide. We've prayed that the right people do the right things. Well, I wish they'd have done it sooner than this week. <laughs> but maybe in God's wisdom, maybe he, maybe he understood that it needed to come to this. I would have preferred that the states take care of it like they should have. But I found out that the governors of all of these swing states have, prevent, have uh, prohibited the, the legislatures to hold special sessions. I, say, I think Georgia has held some kind of a, a, an audit, you know, and they found out from this audit there was all kinds of votes that were switched. But I, I wish that it had been done before now, but it hadn't been. Well, now we got what we got. Amen. Is America worth fighting for? Yeah. Is, is, I'm, not, I'm not advocating bloodshed in what I'm saying, but is, if, it, if it had to come to that, is it worth it? Well, only a few of you think so. I said, if it has to come to this, is it worth it? Has it been worth it in the past? Was it dreadful? Yes. Was it horrible? Yes. But look at the fruit that it bore. Look at the America we received in the 18th century. Look at the union we preserved in the 19th century. Look at the world we saved in the 20th century. Was the bloodshed worth it? Nobody wants it, but is it worth it? What I'm saying to you is I'm not, I'm not advocating that, but I'm saying to that, you, you, you have to put on your big boy pants sometime and stand for what you believe in and some things are worth fighting for. Well, praise the Lord. Certainly worth standing up and speaking out for. Dear Lord, if, if you think just voicing your opinion is somehow uncomfortable and not nice and not becoming a Christian, you, you don't know Jesus I'm not saying you're not saved. You just don't know him very well because he took a whip and run people out of the temple. I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't a, 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 a ceremonial whip. That was a real whip. And when he turned those tables over, he just said, you fellas, back off. I don't want y'all to hurt yourself now. 
you know, don't offend OSHA, you know, get anybody in trouble. And so, could guys, can you help me pick up this side of the table and let's lay it down? No, he turned the silly thing over, dumped it over, knocked all the money off of it, and all the pigeons went flying and everywhere. You don't... I was telling somebody one time about counseling someone. And I said, when you're on the phone with somebody and it's a, and it's a, a tense situation, you know, it's easy on the phone to come across, you know, in a, in a more aggressive way than, than you mean to. I said, practice this. This is what I've done. If I'm in a phone conversation and, I, and I'm wanting to make sure that person doesn't think I'm being harsh or mean because I'm saying something strong, I say, I make myself smile. Because it's almost impossible to smile and be mean at the same time. You, you, call, you try it. You try to put a big old grin on your face and just try to say something snarly and ugly. It just doesn't come out that way. Well, you cannot turn tables over and, and p- pull out a whip with a big old smile on your face. He wasn't the Jesus that you see in the pictures that day. Floating around about three inches off the ground talking in weird talk, you know. He was a down-to-earth Jesus dealing with something that had to be dealt with. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. I'm gonna look at this scripture see if I still wanna use it. We're running out of time. Really? Yeah, yeah, let's use this. Luke, uh, or Mark 4.35. Mark 4.35. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wind this up. We're gonna have communion here in a few minutes. We're gonna be in love with one another again here in a few minutes. <laughs> so let me jump ahead to that for a minute. We're gonna, we're gonna receive communion. And, and my point is, and I'm not gonna take time to read the scripture because I've taken too long on this, but the point is we are members of one another. We are members of Christ and we are also jointly members of one another. And we have to walk in love towards one. You say, well, that's easy because you got the pulpit and you can spout your political view. Like I said, this isn't about politics. You might think it is, but it isn't. This is about the nation I love that God poured his grace out on and men shed their blood for it. And I'm not, I'm just not willing to let it be sold down the river. That's, that's, what, that's my motivation. You can think what you want. But in spite of that, if you disagree with me, I'm gonna love you. You could come up to me and say, well, preacher, I, you, know, I, I, you made me uncomfortable and I think you're being political. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna love you and, and accept you and, and we're gonna have fellowship. I'll hug your neck and I'll come to your house. You can come to my house. We can, you know, we can sit down and meal together and just have a, a, a hunky-dory time. I, it won't bother me a bit. We have to love one another. Have you found Mark 4, 35? On the same day when evening had come, on the same day as what? On the same day that Jesus had taught all day these parables into the evening. On the same day when evening had come, he said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, which would have been exhausted probably. He had preached all day. When they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, 
probably the same boat that he had been standing in all day preaching from on the shore of Galilee, on the, on the Sea of Galilee on the shore there. And so uh, there were other little boats with him, it says. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Luke's, Luke's uh, version of this said that... that uh, uh, It said they were, what did it say? Not forsaken. Oh, they're in jeopardy. They were filling with water and in jeopardy. That just simply means they were, they were getting ready to sink. They were going under. I have in my, in my library over my, over my fireplace, I have a, a, a replica of Rembrandt's uh, Storm on the Sea of Galilee. And I love that. I love that piece of art. And uh, it shows this, this small sailboat, fishing boat with sails. You know, it looks like it's about 20-something feet long. And it shows it. It's up kind of the bows up in the air, and the waves are huge, and the waves are crushing, crashing down on the, on, the, on the boat, and the disciples are holding on for dear life, and some of them are holding on to rope. Some of them are trying to do different things. One poor fellow is hanging over the side of the boat puking. <laughs> and... Jesus in this in this photo, in this in this piece of art this this painting Jesus apparently has just been awakened because he's still sitting in the bow of the boat on the in the stern and there's some disciples around them around him and I mean it's a it's the, the, it's a it's a beautiful picture the the lighting the way the artist you know painted it, it's great but there's 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 fourteen people in the boat. How could that be? There's 12 disciples, there's Jesus, and then there's, there's another fellow in the boat, and it's Rembrandt. He painted himself in the boat. And so he's, he's all the, they're all, Jesus is talking, there's a few of them listening to him, somebody's puking, others are trying to, you know, get control of the boat, and they're all have terror on their face, and Jesus, his face isn't alarmed at all. And then you got Rembrandt, and he's turning, and he's looking like he's looking right at you. And, and he's, got, he's got his hand on his head like this. And he's like, the, the look on his face is, I know how this turns out, but this is still pretty bad. <laughs> it's, it's not like he's terrified, but it's like, whew, this is tough. Well, see, we know what happened. We know what happened. It looked like they were going under. I mean, the the windstorm had come up, the waves are crashing in and they are filling up rapidly. Well, it might look that way to us in this thing that we're talking about. It might look like, you know, it's gone too far. And, you know, all of our remedies that we had, you know, were, were... hoping would happen. We were not believing because we didn't know how God was going to work. We're believing God's working. But how, we weren't really sure. We were hoping that some of these earlier things would happen, but they haven't happened. But it looks like, it might look like it's going under. We just need to remember who's in the stern of the boat. We need to remember that the miracle worker, right when you're going under, can, can stand up and say, peace, be still, be calm. And here's the remarkable thing. In this situation, 
There doesn't have to be widespread rioting. There doesn't have to be a civil war. There doesn't have to be bloodshed. There doesn't have to be this huge confrontation in the streets of America. If, 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 if Congress decides that the votes, the, the electoral votes from, from uh, these swing states are not, are not qualified because the, those states actually had fraud and, 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 and uh, uh, Mr. Biden did not win those states. If, if, if Congress decides that after having heard the evidence, there doesn't have to be, our, our culture and our society doesn't have to unravel because the same Jesus that still that those waters that day can still these waters today. Amen. He can. He can. We can have peace in the United States of America again. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. We did this, we told the devil to take his hand off the office of the presidency the United States of America. And we keep our authority intact. We still have are, are taking that stand today. The devil cannot control the office of the presidency. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. The people have a right. We have a right to exercise our vote and the majority of the, of, the, of the people in those states have the right to carry that state and the electoral votes that go with it. That's how it works. We have a right to that. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.